0: You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. We are coming to you today from the somewhat famous Study Room 3 of the Portsmouth Public Library and with me today is my co-host Michelle Jewel Shaw. This is the first of three editions of Lighthearted we'll be putting out into the world this week and all three will feature interviews related to cape cod lighthouses thanks for being with me for cape cod week michelle
1: you're welcome jeremy thank you for having me with you today i always look forward to it i love going down to cape cod they have so many beautiful lighthouses down there i'm planning on a trip later this summer
0: uh-huh sounds like a good plan just uh, watch out for the t- traffic don't try not to leave on a friday afternoon definitely you know. not Uh, For any listeners who might not know, Cape Cod is a peninsula that extends from southeastern Massachusetts 65 miles into the Atlantic Ocean, with a width of between 1 and 20 miles, and with more than 400 miles of shoreline. Here are a few other interesting facts about Cape Cod. Since 1916, Cape Cod has been separated from the mainland by the Cape Cod Canal. It's now considered one of the biggest barrier islands in the world and Cape Cod shields much of the Massachusetts coastline from North Atlantic storm waves.
1: The name Cape Cod was first used by the English explorer Bartholomew Gosnold in 1602. He named it because he and his men caught so many codfish around the Cape. At first the name applied only to to the tip of the peninsula. Samuel de Champlain charted the Cape in 1606 and Henry Hudson landed there in 1609. Captain John Smith noted it on his map of 1614, and the Pilgrims made their first landing near present-day Provincetown on November 11th, 1620. They had their first encounter with Native Americans nearby before they moved on to Plymouth.
0: Cape Cod developed as a large fishing and whaling center It became a popular resort by the end of the 19th century as improved rail transportation made it more accessible to Bostonians. Wealthy people built large so-called cottages along the shore. In 1961, a significant portion of the coastline was designated the Cape Cod National Seashore by President John F. Kennedy. It was protected from private development and preserved for public use.
1: Maritime traffic passing the Cape was heavy by the 19th century. Barnstable County, which comprises Cape Cod, contains 18 standing lighthouses. That's more than any other county in the United States. The waters off Chatham, at the so-called elbow of the Cape, were a menace, with strong currents and dangerous shoals. Mariners talked of a ghostly rider on a white horse that appeared on stormy nights, swinging a lantern that lured mariners to their doom. Two lighthouses were established in Chatham in 1841. It remained a twin light station until one of the towers was moved to Eastham in 1923.
0: Today Chatham Lighthouse stands on a U.S. Coast Guard station. John Gertson is the Vice Commander of the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary Flotilla 11 which serves the Cape Cod area. Among other things, John is involved with the public tours of Chatham Lighthouse. I recently had a chance to sit down and talk with John Gertson about the public tours at Chatham Lighthouse. Let's listen to that interview now. We are here at Chatham, Massachusetts on Cape Cod. We're here at the Chatham Lighthouse today. And thanks so much for spending some time with me today, John. I really appreciate it.
2: It's, it's my pleasure, Jeremy, to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. So, uh, first of all,
0: I don't want to assume that all our listeners necessarily know exactly what the Coast Guard Auxiliary is. So, John, uh, could you start by telling us a little bit about what the Coast
2: Guard Auxiliary is and does? Please? I certainly can, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to uh, to actually tell you about that before we start about the Lighthouse. Uh, the Coast Guard Auxiliary is a uniformed, all-volunteer uh, component of the U.S. Coast Guard. We support them. Uh, through their activities at the lighthouse or at the station here, um, through things like uh, we have a, a gentleman in the in the kitchen or several people in the kitchen as aux chefs. We have people doing watch standing at the radio. Uh, several of our members are doing that. Uh, we support them in patrols and training exercises with our vessels and even uh, have opportunities to uh, work with them on their vessels. So we do a lot of work directly with the Coast Guard in support of them. Beyond that, the Coast Guard Auxiliary really uh, is focused on supporting boating safety for the recreational boaters. So we'll do boat safety classes, we'll do uh, vessel examinations for safety for recreational boaters, um, and we'll do just a variety of things with local marinas in support of of safe boating.
0: Uh, I've read that more than 90,000 people have toured Chatham Lighthouse since tours began more than 25 years ago. That's extremely impressive. Uh, Are the Lighthouse tours something Auxiliarists enjoy being
2: involved with? Oh, they certainly do. Uh, As as a matter of fact, that's when I first joined the auxiliary six years ago. One of the first things that I looked to uh, join and participate in in support of the auxiliary was the Lighthouse tours. It's just being just a fantastic landmark and uh, a great way to meet not only other auxiliaries but the general public and people from all over the world. It was just a fun thing that I wanted to get involved with, and it's not very difficult for me to get 20 or 25 volunteers annually to do these tours from our auxiliary group because they all love doing it. That's fantastic. Uh, can you describe how the tours
0: typically work when the Lighthouse is open for the public? What is the experience like? for visitors when they come?
2: When they, when they come into the property, and this is on Coast Guard property, um, they come to the lighthouse, and I typically greet them there, or the lighthouse keeper will greet them there. Um, and then they are in small groups, ent- they enter the lighthouse. And then in the base of the lighthouse, we have an auxiliarist that talks about the history of the lighthouse and some aspects of the lighthouse from that section. Uh, once that's done, they they uh, move up 44 steps up to the oil deck, and there's an auxiliary there, and the oil and at the oil deck, the auxiliary will talk about um, some of the early fuels for the fire because it wasn't electric when it when it started, um, and uh, they'll they'll finish that, and they'll then they'll progress up an eight step ladder to the lantern room, and, and in Chatham Light, they're actually able to walk around the revolving lantern uh, and see the view, um, and also obviously be, be sensitive about that there's a light right there. Uh, so the, 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 the people will get uh, a historical uh, background starting way back in 1808 when we say Thomas Jefferson was our president and gave the town of Chatham monies to, to build the, the lighthouses, and that's plural, Um, all the way through the the changing of the fuels and the way the mechanism was rotated and the lights and the power and so forth. So they get a nice history, but we always remember that they really want to come for the view. So I tell my tour guides, just remember that they really want to see the beautiful view 80 feet above the water. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, not to get too hung up on the history, But We have a lot of people from, like, the U.S. Lighthouse Society and other groups that love the history part, and we love to share what knowledge we have of the wonderful history of that lighthouse. Sure. Well,
0: Chatham Light Station does have a really interesting history. Of course, there were two lighthouses originally at Chatham. Uh, Can you say, just to maybe touch on a a couple of the uh, most interesting parts, what you think are the most interesting parts of the history that you... uh, you talk about uh during the tours
2: well just as i said earlier the the fact that in 1808 they had two lighthouses built Mm -hmm. uh, and they were built out of wood Um, we talk about that they were near the water and because of financial reasons and also because there's not a lot of stone around cape cod they were made out of wood but as we all know wood and salt water and wet environment doesn't last long So we discussed that in in, uh, 1841, two more lighthouses were built and they were moved back from the water uh, and they were made out of brick. So they were getting a little smarter with what to build them with. But uh, we talk about that uh, the brick was fine, but then erosion occurred. And then erosion uh, caused them to build two more lighthouses in in 1887. Uh, and those are the, and you're standing in one of them now. Um, the other one would eventually become Nauset Lights and that's another part of the history: how two lighthouses became one. And just briefly, the reason there were two was that Highland Light was the first lighthouse on Cape Cod, and that was 1797. And when Chatham wanted a light, the government says, yes, you can have monies for a light, but you need to build two so we can differentiate your part of Cape Cod from, from Provincetown area. Uh, so you'll build two lights and eventually there were three lights built in East Ham, which uh, is uh, called the Three Sisters, which is interesting in itself. What else do people see when they come to Station
0: Chatham? There's an interesting boat on the grounds. Right,
2: right. We have the 44-301 uh, vessel that succeeded the 36-500, uh, the famous 36-500 boat, but the, the, the 44-footer now is on our property. So as part of our tours, we have an auxiliarist at the boat talking about the design and the unique design of that style boat uh, that was designed specifically for the shallow waters of the Chatham area. Uh, it was the first of its production model and the last of that production model to retire uh, because it was so uh, valuable to the environment that we have in Chatham, and we're, we're very fortunate to have it on our grounds. Of course, the
0: Chatham Coast Guard Station is famous uh, or very well known to many people for the famous rescue in 1952 of the Pendleton crew which is immortalized in the book and movie, The Finest Hours. And uh, is that something that's also talked about on the
2: lighthouse tours? Oh, it certainly is now that uh, the movie's been out and many, many people know about it. But I'm amazed how many people actually don't. So when I'm standing at the uh, base of the lighthouse waiting to let people uh, enter the base... Um, I talk about some of the other things they can see in the area, um, including uh, a discussion of the 36500, because during the summer months, the 36500 is the actual boat is in Rock Harbor in Orleans, and I suggest to people that are interested to go to take the 10-mile drive and see that 36500. Actually, Jeremy, the the boat is in our garage right now, Mm. being painted, and is being readied for the uh, the summer months so it uh, is out of the water it actually spends the winter in the water because it's still it's a wooden boat and it they don't want it to crack so they have to keep it moist mm-hmm. and it sits in the winter in a protected harbor uh, but now it's getting some some uh, painting and getting ready for uh, a launch after Memorial Day okay I should mention we're recording
0: this in May but uh, it'll be uh, people will be hearing this in the podcast in about mid-July
2: Oh, so it'll definitely be in the water then over at Rock Harbor in Orleans, Okay. and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. The actual, the actual boat from 1952 is there.
0: Yeah, well, that's really good to know. And another thing is that not far from the Coast Guard Station and the Lighthouse, really just a couple of minutes away uh, down the road, is the Atwood House Museum of the Chatham Historical Society. Which has a display. Basically, it's the old lantern room of the Chatham Lighthouse. the 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 uh, old lantern of the lighthouse was replaced by a more a larger, more modern style lantern when they switched to a rotating arrow beacon type of light. I believe was that early nineteen fifties. If I remember no, correctly, no, it was
2: actually actually later it was in the sixties 60s that, 60s. that 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 one was, okay. was moved over there.
0: Well, when uh, that was replaced, the uh, the old lantern was put over at the Atwood House Museum. And the old uh, fourth order Fresnel lens from the lighthouse is on display inside that that lantern room. It's a beautiful display outside the Atwood House Museum, but there's a lot of good things to see inside the Atwood House Museum as well.
2: Yeah, there there certainly is. And I I just happened to see the other day online that uh, they're, they're getting ready to open up their new season and they listed that they're having um, some displays on the life saving service mm-hmm. at the uh, Coast Guard, uh, at the Atwood, um, as well as a history of the Coast Guard uh, in one of their rooms. And if I believe they haven't changed it, but they had the bow section, a model of the bow section, life size model of the bow section of the 36500, where people can actually go into the bow section and feel what it was like to cram in there like these 36 people that came back from that Pendleton story, and we talked about in The Finest Hours, but they made a a replica of the bow section so people can go inside and see how tight that had to be for people so that wow. in that in that bow when they had that rescue. So that's kind of fun yeah. um, to, to do that. So it's 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 over in Harbor Road. It's only a couple of miles from here. So people that come to Chatham to hopefully see our lighthouse can also go see yeah. that museum. It's a wonderful museum in Chatham.
0: That's great. And even if they come to the lighthouse uh, at a time when the Atwood House Museum is closed, they can still go and on the grounds and see the display with the, the lantern and yes. the, the Fresnel lens exactly. on display yeah, right on, on the, the grounds. That's exactly. accessible all the time. Before we uh, close this interview, John, is there anything you'd like to add, anything you'd like to say to visitors who might be coming to see the lighthouse, anything we haven't touched on already?
2: Well, i, th- I- I just hope that uh, this has interested a few people to come and visit me and come visit on the, the days that we're open and uh, enjoy the views that we have and uh, get a lot more history than we, we've been able to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fascinating location at the elbow of the Cape, wonderful views on a sunny day, um, and I just wish and hope that uh, some people come visit us. Right. There are more
0: details about uh, Chatham Lighthouse and the open houses on the Coast Guard Auxiliary Flotilla 111 website. Am I saying that right, John? 111, right, or should I exactly. say 11-1? Either way. Uh, either way. 111. We say them both. <laughs> okay. Uh, on the uh, Coast Guard Auxiliary uh, Flotilla 11 website, just, ju- just Google Chatham Lighthouse Tours. You'll find it very easily. So, John Gertzen, uh, thank you again for spending time with us today and telling us about the public tours at Chatham Lighthouse. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Jeremy. Time now for our Lighthouse History segment. We're going to talk today about the first lighthouse built in the American colonies, commonly known as Boston Light.
1: Boston's deep and spacious harbor led it to become the commercial center of America in the colonial days. At that time, all large vessels had to enter the harbor between the Brewster Islands in the outer harbor and Point Allerton in the town of Hall.
0: Early in 1713, a prominent Boston merchant named John George, representing the business community of the city, proposed to the general court the, quote, erecting of a lighthouse and lantern on some headland at the entrance to the harbor of Boston for the direction of ships and vessels in the nighttime bound into the said harbor." Unquote.
1: On July 23, 1715, the General Court of Massachusetts passed the Boston Light Bill. A stone tower was built at a cost of 2,385 pounds. The exact dimensions aren't known, but it's believed the tower was at least 50 feet tall. The first keeper, 43-year-old George Worthy Lake lighted the lighthouse on Friday, September 14, 1716.
0: No description of the original lighting apparatus survives, but it's believed that it was first lighted by tallow candles. Worthy Lake, who was brought up on George's Island in Boston Harbor, moved to the light station with his wife, Anne, and their daughters, Ruth and Anne. Two African slaves named Shadwell and Dinah and a servant lived at the lighthouse as well. Worthy Lake also maintained a farm on Lovells Island, closer to Boston.
1: Worthy Lake was paid 50 pounds a year, which was raised to 75 pounds a year in 1717. He made additional money as a harbor pilot for incoming vessels, and he also kept a flock of sheep on Great Brewster Island. 59 of his sheep were caught on the long sand spit off Great Brewster during a 1717 storm. They drowned when the tide came in.
0: On November 3rd, 1718, Worthy Lake went to Boston with his wife, their 15-year-old daughter Ruth, and his servant George Cutler. On the way back, they stopped at Lovells Island, where they boarded a sloop headed for Boston Light. A friend, John Edge, accompanied them. Witnesses later said that the party was seen to eat and drink very friendly while aboard the sloop, though not to excess. The sloop anchored near Little Brewster Island a few minutes past noon, and the slave Shadwell paddled out in a canoe to transfer the party to the island.
1: Young Ann Lake and a friend, Mary Thompson, watched from the shore. Suddenly, the two girls on shore saw, quote, Worthy Lake, his wife, and others swimming or floating on the water with their boat overset, end quote. The canoe, possibly overloaded, had capsized and all six people drowned. George, Anne, and Ruth Worthy Lake were buried beneath a triple headstone in Copse Hill burying ground in Boston's North End.
0: Benjamin Franklin, 12 years old at the time, was urged by his brother to write a poem based on the disaster. The young Franklin wrote a poem called The Lighthouse Tragedy and hawked copies on the streets of Boston. Franklin later wrote in his autobiography that the poem was wretched stuff, although it sold prodigiously.
1: Robert Saunders, a former sloop captain, became Boston Lights' second keeper on a temporary basis until a new permanent keeper could be chosen. Saunders drowned in a boat accident a few days after taking the job. John Hayes, an experienced seaman described as an able-bodied and discreet person, became the next keeper.
0: In the next edition of Lighthearted, we'll continue with the early history of Boston Light.
1: It's time now for our trivia question. Hopefully people have been listening closely so they'll know the answer.
0: And what is the question?
1: Okay, here's the question. What was the name of the slave who lived at Boston Light and died in November 1718, along with the first lighthouse keeper? Again, what was the name of the slave who lived at Boston Light and died in November 1718, along with the lighthouse keeper?
0: The first person to answer correctly gets a copy of the book, Lighthouses of America, published in association with the U.S. Lighthouse Society. It's a beautiful 176-page hardcover book featuring stunning photographs of lighthouses across the country taken by society photographers. The second person to answer correctly gets an official U.S. Lighthouse Society passport. The Lighthouse Passport Program provides enthusiasts the opportunity to help preserve lighthouses, as well as a wonderful way to keep a pictorial history of their lighthouse adventures. You can learn more about the Passport Program at uslhs.org. To enter, send your answer in an email to me at jeremy@uslhs.org. Be sure to say you're answering the trivia question in Lighthearted, Episode 11. And again, send it in an email to jeremy at uslhs.org, j-e-r-e-m-y at uslhs.org. And again, the first two people to answer correctly will win prizes.
1: wraps up another edition of lighthearted.
0: We will be back with two more editions for Cape Cod Week later this week, so watch for those.
1: Special thanks to the staff and volunteers of the US Lighthouse Society, including everyone out at the Point No Point Light Station in Hansville, Washington. Be sure to check out the US LHS website at uslhs.org for information on the tours offered by the Society, as well as information on memberships and information on how you can stay overnight at Point No Point Light Station.
0: Along with lots of other information on lighthouses, there's really tons of material to explore at uslhs.org, there's also the USLHS news blog at news.uslhs.org which includes the Lighthouse News of the Week on Fridays and other original content. Also, the USLHS social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
1: And I hope some of our listeners will be able to visit us at our open houses at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse in Newcastle, New Hampshire, through Columbus Day weekend in October, every Sunday afternoon from 1 to 5.
0: And if they do that, they get to meet some of us in person. What a thrill that would be. That
1: would be very exciting for them, I think.
0: Thank you, Michelle, and until next time on Lighthearted, keep a good light.